You might be wondering what the basketball has to do with today's sermon. Very little. But uh, after Sean came with his scuba diving uh, kit last week, being the competitive and, uh, dare I say, insecure guy I am, I've been racking my brain all week as to how am I going to start this message. So, thanks a lot, Sean. If you're joining us for the first time, Karibu uh, Tena, it's great to have you with us. And uh, you've joined us at a, at a wonderful time as a church because last week, Sean was sharing uh, the vision that we have as a church, and it's to multiply. Thank you. I, I, I can see we've got a few who are here last week. And um, Sean shared wonderfully, I, I would say, uh, on this vision, showing us that it just wasn't something that we thought was a, was a good uh, statement on a banner or something that really just rolls off the tongue. But actually, it's at the heart of what God has been doing uh, from the beginning of time, that God was gathering a people for himself, a people for the Father, a household, a family. But not only was he gathering a family for the Father, he was also gathering a bride for the Son, that, that, that Jesus would have his beloved. But not only was he gathering a bride for the Son, he was also building a place of worship where he would inhabit a temple for himself. And uh, if you spend any time in one tribe, I hope you will see that we've got what I would call a high view of the church. And when I'm talking about the church, I'm not talking about the building or the place where we are gathered. I'm not even talking about the very uh, gathering uh, that we have or the fact that we've got a service. But we're talking about this community of God, this people of God who are both local, gathered, visible as we are today and all across the world, but also in visible, scattered all of history, all of time, and all over the globe. We've got a high view of this community, this people who are called to belong to God. And this is not something that we uh, came up with on our own, but we, we feel that this is what we see in Scripture, that the church is precious to God. And um, I'm one of the pastors of the church and this weighs heavily on me continuously. Because when, when Paul was speaking to a group of pastors, a group of elders in Ephesus, he says, take care of the flock of God, which he bought with his own blood. The church is precious to God because he bought it with his own blood. And when I was in high school, we used to have the opportunity to give blood, to donate blood, and... Uh, we used to do it because afterwards you'd get Mazoe Orange Crush. Now, if that means nothing to you, you need to put it on your bucket list. You need to drink Mazoe Orange Crush and biscuits. You might be thinking, yeah, Jesus bought the church with his own blood. I've donated blood. No, no, no. Paul goes on to say that husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Jesus just didn't give a pint of blood. He gave his very life. And this reminds me of a story that we used to tell, that uh, a man and his girlfriend were walking along, then the girlfriend stumbles on a stone. 
the guy gets so angry, picks up the stone, throws it as far as he can, and comes to his girlfriend and says, Oh, honey, could I give you a foot massage? Are you okay? One year later, they're married, walking along. Wife kicks the stone, stumbles. And the husband is like, oh, sorry, babe. Are you okay? Five years later, they're walking along. Wife kicks the stone, stumbles. The husband looks annoyed at his wife and says, could you watch where you're going? And when we hear of Christ loving the church and saying, husbands, Love your wives. He's talking about laying your life down. And we're saying, hey, we're reading the bands of marriage for William and Catherine. And William, you need to spend time just meditating on that one verse. Am, am, I, am I ready to give up my life? Not only did Jesus buy the church with his own blood, he gave himself completely. And scripture says that not only did he give himself, but he feels our pain. He, he feels the church's struggles. In Acts 9, when Saul is ravaging the church and, and putting men and women in prison, Jesus confronts him on his way to Damascus and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He doesn't say, why are you persecuting my people? Why are you persecuting my disciples? Why are you persecuting my followers? Why are you persecuting my church? He says, no, why are you persecuting me? Saying what? The church is the apple of my eye. He who touches you touches the apple of my eye. He feels your pain. He feels your struggle. And finally, the church is Jesus' personal project. The famous verse in Matthew 16, 18, when he says, I will build my church. He doesn't say, you will build my church. You will build your church. The church belongs to Jesus. It doesn't belong to the elders and pastors. It doesn't even belong to the congregation. The church belongs to Jesus alone. And this is why we have a high view of the church. Now, you might ask, how is Jesus building his church? I'm glad you asked the question. And there are several ways that we see in Scripture, but two which are relevant for us this morning that we see in the book of Acts and in the New Testament is that one, he saves and adds to the church. And so if, if you're here this morning, whether somebody dragged you out of bed, whether it's a, you feel it's a coincidence of space and time, I want to assure you that none of you are here by mistake. You are here through the sovereign purpose of Jesus who is building his church. Not only does he save and add, but he also gifts the church. And this is what we want to be looking at closely this morning. So if you've got your Bible, please would you turn with me to 1 Corinthians, and we'll be in chapter 12. Acts 
And um, just to give you a heads up on where we're heading, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 12. And what I want to do this morning, the title of my message, is to encourage us to get in the game. And we're going to see, as we read these verses, that church is a team sport. Secondly, that everyone has to play. And thirdly, your contribution matters. Now, as we get into 1 Corinthians 12, this is a letter that was written to a local church in Corinth. So when it starts, it says, uh, to the church of God, which is in Corinth. And uh, Paul, he's the one who was instrumental in getting this church planted. You can see that in Acts chapter 18. And um, he's written this letter in response to some reports that he, he got from some guys who came and visited him. Uh, I, I think he wrote it while he was in Ephesus, and they told him some things that were happening in the church. So in the first six chapters, he's responding to um, what's happening. And then the guys from Corinth also sent some people with questions uh, in a letter that they wrote to Paul, and he's been answering uh, a series of questions where he says, okay, now concerning this, this is how you ought to respond. And so we are jumping into um, this chapter when he's, he seems to be responding to questions they had around spiritual gifts. Now, one of the things that you have to know about the Corinthians is that it seemed that they were quite divided. The city had, was a Roman colony, but it's, it was in Greece, and it's got Jews. And so they seemed to kind of divide into parties. And you also had a few rich people and uh, lots of not rich people. And they also seemed to be getting divided into that. So as Paul is addressing their question around spiritual gifts, he also wants to emphasize the idea of unity. And so as we get in, I'd just love to pray, and then we'll read from verse 1. Dear Father, we thank you that uh, you are the one who is in control. Um, that uh, we don't have the power to make, to extend our lives. We, we, we don't have the power to protect ourselves completely and insulate ourselves from the dangers that we meet in the world. We, 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 we can do all we can to provide for our families, but ultimately, provision comes from you. Um, and so, Lord, we want to rest secure in your presence. We want to rest secure in your activity in our lives. But Lord, we don't want to be passive. We realize that you call us to work and co-labor with you um, in providing for ourselves and uh, seeing your kingdom extended. And so, Lord, we ask that you would speak into our hearts with your through your Holy Spirit that would hear your call upon our lives, that you'd affirm what it is that you're calling us as a church. I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, great. So what I'm going to do is I'll read verse 1, then I'll jump verse 2 and 3, and go to verse 4 up to 7, and then we'll look at that. Let's get into it. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. Jumping to verse 4, he says, Now there are varieties of gifts, 
but the same spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now you might be seeing the text and thinking, well, what are we seeing within this text? And looking at what Paul is saying, it's particularly striking because he's speaking to a local church and he wants to emphasize this idea that in, in, in the local church, there's both variety and yet sameness. There's both diversity and yet unity. So he, he repeats it three times and um, you might have noticed that the, there's a Trinitarian or this idea of Father, Spirit, Son, and Paul is, is also leaning on that to say that actually this idea of variety and diversity and yet sameness and unity is at the very heart of God. And this brings me to my first point, which is that church is a team sport. And what I mean and, and how I want us to apply that is that as we talk and think about what it is that we are called to as one tribe, whether we are thinking of multiplying uh, gospel-centered, spirit-empowered missional churches in Nairobi and beyond, or we, we are just thinking of becoming the church that we envision, that we dream of, the church that we all want to be a part of, that this is not uh, uh, the primary responsibility of the elders, it's not the primary responsibility of the staff, it's not even just the primary responsibility of those who are volunteering, but it's going to take a team effort. Now, uh, I'm not sure if you played any team sports. Um, I know Kenyans are famous for running. I won't talk about the recent doping scandals, don't worry. You know, when, when I originally arrived in Kenya, I thought I'd, I'd find a nation of runners. But when, when I was in high school for one year, I, I played rugby. And I know you're looking at me and thinking, okay, did he since lose some weight? What happened? But I just wanted to call up a few guys to kind of give imagery of a rugby team. So if I spoke to you earlier, please would you come forward? And listen, if, if, I, if I didn't speak to you earlier, don't feel hurt, right? This is just an illustration. I'm not saying you're not good enough for rugby. So, okay, and I can see the Americans are like, rugby? Rugby? What's that? So, we say rugby is the barbarian's game played by gentlemen. And football is a gentleman's game played by barbarians. But in a rugby team, if you're playing rugby union, 15 aside, you normally have 15 players, right? And as I was thinking about it, they've got such strange names like props, hookers, uh, locks, um, flanks. But basically, you need different types of people. So JP, Itai, please could you come and stand with JP? Itai and JP 
would be our props. And these guys are strong, built like tankers, battering rams. They put their bodies on the line. Normally, they get into the scrum, they're right in the front, and they push. Or in malls and rucks. And you're thinking, what are malls and rucks? Just watch rugby. Herman, please come and stand. Now, Jared is American, Herman is German. So I don't think these guys have ever played rugby. But you can see the height difference. So these would call them locks. And uh, if we had time, I wanted us to do a, a line-out drill. And what happens in the line-out is that um, your forwards, don't worry who are the forwards, just know Itai and JP among them. Somebody throws the ball from the line, and then they huddle, and then they carry one of the tall guys to catch the ball. And they're also in the rucks and malls, reaching for balls, creating turnovers. And then you've got Simba. I don't know what position he plays, but he just looks like he should be playing rugby. <laughs> Come, Simba, I think you could be. He says he's a wing, but first we need to test his speed. So for now, we'll put you as a hooker. So you stand between the props. And you've got Joe. And you're thinking, is Joe a wild card? Is this to illustrate that anyone can, can be in the team? Actually, Joe would be a great scrum half. So these guys come when people are huddled and the ball's out and they pick it up and throw it to the guys in the line. Then you've got James. James looks like he should be the star of the team. <laughs> James actually played rugby and he said he was a wing or fullback. And normally you stand in isolated positions. Sometimes they kick the ball really high. You jump, you catch it, and you've got people coming over. And then you start sidestepping and escaping, eluding them. I was a wing and a fullback. So you can, you can see that I'm oozing with talent. <laughs> Reno is a utility player. He could fit in with Itai and the gang. He can also fit in with James. So we just make him a flank. Kind of there in the scrum, but can quickly escape. This is rugby. Why don't we give them a hand as they take their seats? Okay, I, I actually don't remember what I was meant to say after that. I just got into the game. You need to get in the game. Now, as we go forward in verse 8 in 1 Corinthians, we read as Paul begins to talk about different gifts. Now, the purpose of this morning is not to give an exposition of the gifts, but we'll just read to them, or we'll read of them. He says, for to one is given the, through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. 
All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And again, what Paul is emphasizing is that they're different gifts and they're given to different people and they're expressed in different ways, but it's the same Spirit. And this is not an exhaustive list. If you read in Romans 12, you see Paul referring to other gifts. If you read Ephesians 4, uh, 1 Peter 4, 11, you see other gifts. But these, he, he was referring to them because he was talking about the local gathering. And this is why in one tribe, when we gather together, we, we just don't want to hear from the preacher. We're just not saying, okay, let's hear from the guys leading the meeting or the person leading the band. But we want to give an open mic session that we, we could hear what God is saying and doing in each person. The wonderful thing is that God is not a respecter of persons. And He often speaks and works through people we wouldn't expect. So don't discount yourself. Don't put yourself on the sidelines. As I said, you are here for a reason and God wants to use you. For his purposes. And this brings me to the second point. So firstly, church is a team sport. Secondly, everyone has to play. Now there was a guy called John Wimber who was uh, one of the founders of the Vineyard Movement. And he, he used to say, everyone gets to play. And what he meant by that was that God can use all of us. We, we, we can all participate in what God is doing to be used of the gifts of the Spirit, whether it's to see people healed or to, to prophesy or to see miracles worked out. He used to call it doing the stuff. Now, what we see Paul saying here is not that everyone gets to play. It's not that God has democratized church and said everybody can participate. Actually, God is saying that Everybody has to play. If we read in verse 7, Paul says that to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So we've got this idea of each, and we've got common good. That each one has to play, and the common good needs it. Ephesians 4, 7 says, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. And actually, Paul then develops that idea in Ephesians 4. Let me just open there. In verse 16, when he says, When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So he's saying, to each one a gift is given. And when each part is working properly, then it makes the whole body grow as it builds itself up. 1 Peter 4.10. So it's not just a Paul idea. He says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. And Michael Eaton, commenting on uh, the verse we're looking at in Corinthians, he says, each Christian, say, that's me. Each Christian is given some ability, he or she, can contribute to the fellowship of God's people. And so, here's the thing. Each one of us here has unique DNA. Each one of us has unique fingerprints. Each one of us has unique iris. And, and this is what God has done in the physical realm. 
And what we're hearing from the scripture is that even in the unseen, each one of us, if you're a follower of Christ, has been gifted, unique. It's not a case that you're just gifted, you're one among many. Just as you have unique personality, unique talents, so you have unique gifting and unique contribution. Each one of us has to play. We can't just have a team of props. We'll be very good at pushing, but we won't be very good at speeding and getting to the try line. We can't just get, have a team of locks. We'll be very good at jumping in the air and catching the ball, but we won't be very good at anything else. And sometimes we see that in the church. That, okay, we think these are the really important areas. We, we need to have preachers. We need to have worship leaders. Let, let's concentrate on those. Think, oh, okay, my singing voice is good for the shower, but nothing else. I'm not confident with public speaking, or I, I'm not confident with knowing the Bible. So I'll, I'll just sit. And you know, in sports, you've got referees or umpires. And these are the guys who kind of call fouls, call offsides, and be like, yeah, I'll be the umpire in church. I'll, I'll say when things are going well or when things are going uh, not so well. I'll call the fouls. I'll call the offsides. Like, or you've got commentators. I'll, I'll be the commentator. I'll, I'll give a running commentary of what was happening at church. I'll be there every Sunday. I'll, I'll, I'll recall the sermon. I'll, I'll discuss it. I'll share it. Or you've got spectators. Like, yeah, I will pay to get this show on the road. I, I will contribute financially. I'm there. Gift day, yes, I'm there. Tithes and offerings, I'm there. But I, I'll just sit on the sidelines and, and watch the gifted people do it. Oh, Sean, you're, you're so good, man. That scuba diving illustration, man, I, it's the best start to a sermon I've ever seen. Mark, the way you just strum that guitar and lead us in worship, man, keep going. I'm there supporting you guys. And we talk about the vision, yeah, that's a, that's a great vision. You guys will do it. You have this you and us speech. Yeah, you, you know, you guys should really think about the kids' work. And it's been said of an NBA game that you've got 10 people on the court badly in need of rest, watched by thousands, if not millions of people, badly in need of exercise. Now, I'm glad to say that in one tribe, this is not the case. Talk about the Pareto rule. You know, 20% of the people do 80% of the work or contribute. That's not the case, wonderfully, in one tribe. There are many who are sitting here and listening to me who are contributing who are giving their lives. But even within that, it's not enough to have the many. 
everyone has to play. Which brings me to my last point, which is your contribution matters. Let's read from verse 12. Paul says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. And Paul is still emphasizing this idea of diversity, yet uh, unity. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. And so the spirit is both the source and the purpose. He's the one who distributes the gifts as he wills. Jews, Greeks, slaves, or free. And all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand. So you see, Paul was talking about those who undervalue and underappreciate their gifts. If I'm not a hand, what use am I? Or if I'm not an eye, what use am I? And now Paul begins to talk to those who exaggerate or overvalue their contribution, saying, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker or indispensable, or, and on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now, here's the clincher. You are the body of Christ and individually members of it. We are varied, different gifts, different people, yet together we are the body. And we've spoken about how it's a team sport. Everyone has to play. And I want to underline that with this. Your contribution matters. Paul is saying, don't exaggerate or overvalue your contribution. You are a part of a body. But he's also saying equally, don't underappreciate and undervalue what you bring to the table. The, mi- the mouth might do the speaking, but what good is a loud mouth w- w- without a, a good brain or a beating heart or working lungs? Now, if, if we're honest... When we consider our bodies, not all of, we, we don't really think of all the parts of our bodies. I, I would warrant that no one goes to the gym and thinks, you know what, with this exercise, I'm working out my spleen. Or they think, you know, how is this meal going to affect my appendix? Huh, I wonder. Or what's happening with my gallbladder? 
But when you go to the doctor and the doctor says, hey, actually the problem is with your spleen, that's when we begin to worry about that thing. And, and it's like that in church life. There, there's some things that we, we don't care about, but when it's not working, if the, the chairs are not set up, the sound is not working. I saw this meme of this guy who had turned to salt in the middle of a service. And it was like, I wish we could turn people into salt each time they look at the sound guy. Because you kind of notice the sound guy when the sound is not working. And I, I have to admit, I'm guilty. I'm one of those guys who's quick to look around. Where, where is the sound guy? And can you imagine the scene in the movie? You know, when the bad guy has got the, the good guy and it's like, if you don't tell me the code to the missiles, I am going to cut off your fingers one by one. And the good guy's like, aha, you're only going to cut off my fingers? I don't care. I've got 10 fingers. I don't even need my fingers. That would be ludicrous. And in fact, what they apparently used to do, look, this is what the movies say, they just pull off your fingernail. So, no, 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 I'll tell you everything. And what that shows us is that there's no part of the body that we can do without. None of us thinks, hey, look, I've got ten fingers. If one is gone, you know, I'll be okay with nine. None of us kicks the side of the table or the bed with our toenail and think, oh, it's painful, but it's only my toe. I can live with it. Each one of us cares and needs every single part of our bodies. As I was reading, I even looked up the appendix because when I was in, in school, they told us, you know, you don't really need your appendix. But recent research has actually shown that the appendix is a reservoir for good bacteria. And so it helps regulate your gut bacteria. And so even the appendix has a use. Friends, how much more does your contribution matter to this body? Think, well, I've, I've been underappreciated and, and undervalued. I've been hurt. What Paul says is that when one part of the body suffers, the whole body suffers. And here at One Tribe, we're not kind of like, hey, let's just be stoics. Let's, let's suck it up. If, it doesn't matter what, whatever situation you're going through in your life. Just, just come and be ready to serve. No, no. We say when one part of the body suffers, we all suffer. We want this church to be a place of healing. And you've seen what happens in soccer or football. Sometimes the player gets injured. Take them off to the side of the field. And then they try and patch them up again. And when they're ready, they kind of limp back onto the field and then test it out and then start running again. And here's the deal. You, you might say, hey, look, I've been, I've been hurt in the past or I've, I'm going through the struggle. Yes, let this be a place of healing 
but let it be a place of healing, restoration, and commissioning. And I, be, I really believe that this morning, that there some, you've been on the sidelines for long enough. And it's time for you to, to get back in the game. Why? Your team needs you. You've got gifting and purpose on your life that God in His sovereignty has ordained that in these days it would make an impact. And listen, if, if you're saying, no, no, I, 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 I need to be taken to the sidelines, I need to be restored You need the body. Don't, don't isolate yourself. Paul says, when one part suffers, the whole body suffers. Don't suffer in isolation. Don't suffer in silence. Come and talk to us. Be in a life group. Have people who walk with you. Are you suffering in your marriage? Come and talk to us. Are you suffering in your health? Are you suffering in your mental health? Come and talk to us. Are you suffering in your finances? Come and talk to us. Are you suffering from hurt in the church? Did one of the pastors come uh, hurt you even in this church? Come and talk to a different pastor. And I know, as I said, that there are many of us who are pouring themselves out week after week. And I was speaking to someone and they were saying, hey, look, I've been serving God all my life. And yet, it doesn't feel like my life is going the way I want it to. And I want to end by just reading what Paul says to the Corinthians. Later on, in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58, he says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord... Your labor is not in vain. Friends, this is the calling that we have upon our lives. I don't know about you, but I love team sports. I love knowing that you've got guys who got your back. In rugby, sometimes they get in these big fights, brawls, right? They're like, hey, that was a high tackle on my teammates. You can't, tackle. if you get, do a high tackle on Joe, you're going to have to mess with Jared. You're going to have to mess with Itai because this guy is my teammate. We're teaming together. I know there's so many gifts that I don't have. I know how much I need each one of you. So everyone has to play. Not only do you have to play, but your contribution matters. It matters to God and it matters to us. If you've been on the sidelines, if you need to be on the sidelines, that's okay. But let's still walk together. But for many of us this morning, you need to get in the game.